0: That's a hard act to follow, Krishna-kirtan like that. There's not much else to life, really, Krishna-kita, Krishna-kirtan, and Krishna-prasadam. Krishna-kita is talking about Krishna, Krishna Krishna-kirtan is singing Krishna's names, and Krishna-prasadam is taking Krishna's mercy in the form of sumptuous (coughs) foodstuff. So there's really nothing else to life. Although our minds tell us that there is, there really isn't. That's the absolute truth. There's nothing other than this. Srila Prabhupada said, this is your only business. John Tare Krishna. This is your only business, he would say. We wanted things to be more complicated. After all, I'm a very complicated person. So my problems must be very complicated. Therefore, they deserve very complicated solutions. You know, It's okay for him to on Krishna. He's just an average guy, but what about me? I'm, I'm really special. You see, I need something. I need maybe a little bit of that, but something real special. That's the way our minds sometimes have a tendency to act. So, I thought of a verse a little while ago. Um, With that thought in mind of us thinking how special we are. Uh, And I know, I know, I know. A lot of people have that feeling. I know, I already know. Sometimes I preach to people and they start to to nod, like, Yes, I already know, I already know. You know, sometimes when I'm in these yoga studios preaching to the yoga crowd, the nowadays yoga crowd, they already know everything. Because they can say, Om so I mean, they know everything you know so uh, they get a little confused when i tell them what that what is om what is om does anybody know what is om let's talk about om before we get to the verse
1: it is the sound
2: it's, i think it's um, give me if i'm wrong but i believe it's um, comprised of three sounds a o m and it represents the the Tejas, or combination of past, present, and future, as the uh, effusion energy of Krishna?
0: Yeah. It summons the energy of Krishna. And the sound, Om, um, uh contr- it contains every sound that we make from birth. The first utterance of, of sound is, Ah. As soon as you come out of the womb, Ah, you're gasping for air and you're making sound om through life and then at finally death om mm. um, and it's a representation of krishna's energies it summons krishna you see so um so what does it mean when we chant om oh, what are we doing hmm? i'm i'm doing this to exercise how um, in the West, we have little tidbits of the absolute truth by genius people who have been practicing yoga for seven or eight years. Oh, thank you, thank you. You see, and they know it all. So, what are we doing when we're chanting Om, Gerald? We're just summoning Krishna without really saying anything much. It's a good point. It's exactly what we're doing. We're summoning Krishna's energy. It's kind of like let me give you a de- demonstration. Now what if I say? Gerald? And you say? What? Gerald? What is it? Gerald? Uh-huh. I'm here already, okay? 3 times you said it, 3 times I'm okay, you've got my attention. So, Om by itself is a uh, an impersonal approach to the supreme you see it's just like if i say that gerald how are you today of course when we summons god we would follow it with something very sweet if you get his attention by by uttering om say something nice like you'll find out that you know and and you if you haven't noticed already in all of our mantras om is always followed by something like om namo bhagavate vasudevaya now that is complete. om oh my dear lord Krishna oh energy of Krishna namo I offer my respectful obeisances unto you bhagavate bhagawan who possesses all opulences Vasudevaya, unto you, vasudevaya unto you. Krishnaya, unto Krishna. Vasudevaya, My dear Lord, O oh beautiful, most fabulous Lord, please accept my humble obeisances, Which is better than saying, O oh God. You know, OM, what is it, OMG? If you just say Om by itself, it's kind of like OMG. Oh my God! Yes. So, uh, so many times there's so much that we feel that we already know. But we have to get to a point, whether we're becoming an accountant, a doctor, an attorney, or if we're trying to become a devotee of the Lord, that we realize our limitation. We have to realize you know what? I don't think that I can speculate my way on through this life and into the next, you know, back to Godhead. I don't think I can do it. Now, up until a point, we think we can, you know, <laughs> because you know, I know better than you, and I know better than you, and, I, and everybody gives me advice, and oh, I don't take any advice, you see, because I I can do this myself, you know. So we get to a point, and usually it takes. Uh, a breakdown, some sort of uh, uh, life-changing event that happens in our life. Suffering. We suffer enough to where we call out, we call, help, please help, you see. Now, if we're very, very intelligent, we don't have to sink to that point. We'll call out for help, not because we're desperate, but because we're it's there and we know we can get it, and we know that it'll help us. But um, it's not uncommon for our, for our lives to have to train wreck before we say, you know, I need help. I've been making some really rotten decisions. and I need, to, I need to sharpen things up in my spiritual life or in my material life or whatever. So this is in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And Arjuna is having one of those moments. Okay, just like we were talking about. Arjuna is in a tight spot, okay? Krishna is asking him to do something that he wants, Arjuna is making, uh, that, that Krishna wants, Arjuna doesn't want to do it. Arjuna is making arguments, Krishna's overcoming them and Arjuna because he's incredibly intelligent he says these words. This is Arjuna talking. karpanya dosho pātasvabhavah pricamitvam dharamsvamudacetaha so Arjuna says to Krishna in a very oh by the way everybody silence phones please if anybody else has got a phone with a little time bombs waiting to go off see how they, they'll break the moment so it's always good to silence them so Arjuna is having that moment he's realized I'm in a tight spot and and, and I'm I'm not making the right decisions and I need help what he just said is now I am confused about my duty and have lost all composure due to or because of miserly weakness in this condition I am asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me now I am your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you Please instruct me. Now see, that's a heartfelt moment. I am confused about my duty and have lost all composure because of miserly weakness. Miserly weakness means I've been thinking about myself. I've just been thinking about myself and because of that, I've got myself into a bind. I'm asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Gee whiz. I don't know what's best for me, I'm asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Now I am your disciple, and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me." This is, now of course, Arjuna is a perfect person. This is a demonstration of how we approach Guru. We approach Guru in this mood, you see. We don't approach guru because I want to join a nice, really cool-looking club, and they're going to give me a neat name, you know, and I get to be like everybody else. You know, it's a really cool kind of a social thing. My friends are going to say, "Wow, what a cool name, man! Where did you get that?" I have a guru. <laughs> well, I had a guru. Uh, let me see, but I let see. Well, I had another guru, but I don't know. Let's see. Oh well, no, I have a guru. I just took a guru, very fashionable. But that's not the process of taking guru. Take guru, the guru takes you back home, back to Godhead. So Śrīla Prabhupāda says in this purport, By nature's own way, the complete system of material activities is a source of perplexity for everyone. In every step there is perplexity and therefore it behooves one to approach a bona fide spiritual master who can give one proper guidance for executing the purpose of life. All Vedic literatures advise us to approach a bona fide spiritual master to get free from the perplexities of life which happen without our desire. They're like a forest fire that sometimes blazes without being set by anyone. Similarly the world situation is such that perplexities of life automatically appear without our wanting such confusion. No one wants fire and yet it takes place and we, have bec- and we become perplexed. The Vedic wisdom therefore advises that in order to solve the perplexities of life and to understand the science of the solution, one must approach a spiritual master who is in the disciplic succession. A person with a bona fide spiritual master is supposed to know everything. A person with a bona fide spiritual master is, is supposed to know everything. One should not, therefore, maintain uh, or remain in material perplexities, but should approach a spiritual master. That is the purport of this verse. Now, we'll continue. But perplexities happen. Trouble happens. You know, there's that thing, blank happens, you know. You've heard of sat and sometimes people say cheat happens and some pe- sometimes people say something else happens because it does. Stuff happens. You can make your, the best plans and still things go wrong. Uh, the example here is like forest fire. Sometimes in the in the dry summer in some parts of India in a, a bamboo thicket everything is very dry and the wind is blowing and the bamboo rods are rubbing against one another and they create some fire. So there's fire. Nobody wants the fire, nobody set the fire, but there's fire. Sometimes lightning will strike in the, in the forest and set a tree on fire and burn down a forest, you see. We didn't want it, we didn't ask for it, but it came. So perplexities of life, things that give us difficulties, are always coming without even though we're not wanting them, they're coming, you see. So, um, we, have to feel, we have to learn how to deal with these things. We have to, to, we have to learn how to be prepared to react to when things don't go the way we had planned. Because it's the nature of the world not to go the way you have it planned, you see. Because if you're planning one way, and I'm planning another, and it happens the way you plan, it doesn't mean that your planning made it happen, you see. He's also planning, maybe for something different, and so is she, she's got a plan. But something happens, so if we make a plan, it doesn't mean that it's going to march just exactly the way we want it. We can't make that, have that expectation, and we can, certainly can't make that demand, that I demand that things go the way I plan them. Probably it's not. See, so any questions or discussion up until now? I'll go on with the purport. Anything, all right? Let's hear some more words from Shiva Prabhupada. Who is the man in material perplexities? It is he who is not who does not understand the problems of life in the Brihad Brihad Arunakya Upanishad 3 8 10. The perplexed man is described as follows Yova eta garji, Gargi Avidmittatmas Malokat Kripanaha. There's that word again. Kripana. What does that mean? Kripana. Miser. Miser. Stingy. Selfish. He is a miserly man who does not solve the problems of life as a human and who thus quits this world like the cats and dogs without understanding the science of self-realization. This human form of life is a most valuable asset for the living entity who can utilize it for solving the problems of life. Therefore, one who does not util- utilize this opportunity is, uh, is, proper, is properly a miser. On the other hand, there is the, the Brahman or he who is intelligent enough to utilize this body to solve all problems of life. Prabhupada is saying this human body can give you or is a facility to solve the problems of life. Now, what are the problems? Let's identify. What are the problems we're talking about? What's the biggest problem that we all face?
1: All well, we've already
0: been, yeah. No. We've already been born. Yes. So the biggest problem that we're all facing is death. Death. That's going to happen. That's a problem. You see,
1: knowing Krishna. Huh? Not knowing Krishna. Is a problem.
0: Yeah. That's that's another, one. but one thing that's for sure going to happen is we're going to die. And a lot of people don't spend enough time thinking about that. Why? it's not convenient, boy. It's just—it's not warm and fuzzy talk. Someone says, "Hey, did you know you're gonna die?" Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, how about them cowboys? You think they're gonna win the uh, uh, what is it—the uh, Super Bowl? You know? You think the Yankees are gonna take the the World Series again? Yeah, I know I'm gonna die. Boy, it sure was cloudy today, wasn't it? Think we're going to get rain, gee, my garden's about to blow away. See what I mean? It's hard to focus on that. But we're caught in a trap. It's going to happen. We can't be saved. Okay? We're going to have to leave this body. This body is going to dissolve. I
2: have a question. This concept, unless they have some spiritual realization, when we talk to normal people, that's kind of depressing. People, when we talk about death, yeah, in, in, in general counseling and everything, I mean, they ask me all the time, you know, why, you know, I mean, why are you Hare Krishna drink death all the time? That's very depressing. We accept it; it's going to happen. So let me have you know, ignorance is bliss, and let me have my own thing
0: going on. You know. Well, uh, ignorance—they what, what do we say for that? They say that ignorance is bliss. Does that mean we want to be ignorant, or, or is it really blissful? That's a lie. That's a really it's kind of a. False when you think, when you think about it yeah, when you think about it do I want to be, if I'm ignorant will I be blissful? you see? people say what you don't know won't hurt you what about the poisons in food and stuff like that and the, what is it, the, uh, the GMO uh, genetically mo- modified stuff, <laughs> miss- you know well why not stay ignorant? Just say, I don't want to hear about that stuff. I want to. I want to be blissful. Mm-hmm. Just eat whatever. You see, ignorance isn't bliss. Ignorance is just plain ignorance. You're ignorant. You're ignorant. Doesn't mean that you're blissful. It just means you're ignorant. You know, uh, you're not any happier just because you're ignorant. But that's kind of a, you know, the the. There are a lot of folks that have that. L, you know, the lose, losers. Losers say things like that. Yeah, well, first, ignorance is bliss. Yeah?
2: Once we transcend the three modes of uh, nature, ignorance, um, passion, and goodness, mm-hmm. then death becomes... It doesn't, it's, not, it's no longer a problem, because we know that our soul lives forever. And we know once we transcend the three modes of nature, we're no longer subject to the same bondage of this material world. So we have a hope. In death, yeah. Instead of a fear for it. Now
0: that's a giant step forward. That's a giant step forward, but it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a bullseye. Because with that understanding, uh, I know I'm an eternal living entity, and I know that I'm not going to die with this body. That's what you're saying, right? Okay. Okay. So, what is my next destination?
2: Well, I mean. Once we transcend the three modes of nature, we really don't think about it. We just enjoy our lives while we're here. And this is eternity. What is right that now? What
0: is that? what is that now this isn't eternity. This is this is temporary. Tucson won't be here in another thousand years.
2: How we perceive it is temporary. It's just a perception. Yeah. Time is a man made thing.
0: No, time is God. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita time I am. Time I am, he says. Otherwise, because He created this material world, and everything that Krishna creates is perfect, like Him. Everything that emanates from Him, since He is perfect, it is also perfect. So this world would last forever if Krishna didn't come Himself as Kala. Eternal time. He comes as time, the destroyer of worlds. If it wasn't for Him coming as time, the world would just stay pristine and shiny. I
2: haven't read that yet. It's in
0: Bhagavad Gita. I write it, I yeah, guess. yeah. Well, what uh, chapter is that? 50? 50th chapter. Ah, yeah, eleventh. No. Huh? So, yeah, knowledge of the absolute. Where Krishna saying, "What I, I am the taste of water. I am the scent of the earth. I am the fire of digestion." He's revealing what he is, and so on and so on. You see, so uh, time is Krishna. So, um, but. The complete knowledge is not only to know that I'm eternal, but now that I'm eternal and I'm going to leave this body, where am I going to go next? China. Yeah, China. It's just like if you live in an apartment and uh, the landlord says, hey, look, you're going to have to move out January 1st, 2016. You know? Well now you know you've got to get ready before January 1st, 2016. And you've got to figure out where you're going to go. You see? And sometimes the the, the landlord may say, Look, you know, I'm not sure exactly when, but you don't have a lease, but I'm going to ask you to leave at any moment. It could be today, or it could be 20 years, but it could be tomorrow, but I'm going to ask you to leave any minute. So, you know, that's... (laughs) So what we want to do, um, and what Prabhupada is talking about here, is an intelligent man utilizes this human body, this human form of life, to calculate where will I go, what will happen to me. I can write my own destiny. I can tell you, uh, if I follow my spiritual master's instructions, I can tell you where I'm going to be after death, you see? Goloka Vrindavan, the home of Krishna. Otherwise, if I'm just a gunny, just assimilating knowledge, and I, and, I, and I know all this, knowing but not acting, now that I know, I have to act. You see? If I know that there's uh, genetically modified foods, well, that's great. If I act, I stop eating them, or I avoid them. If I know that uh, nicotine will kill me, now I act. I avoid nicotine. You see? So just knowing, just the uh, uh, accumulation of knowledge, that's not enough to take us out. We've got to actually act. We've got to act. You see? So therefore, this human body is a perfect uh, method of. Figuring out our problems, our real problems birth, death, disease, and old age. You see, we have problems. I'm gonna die, and if I'm not careful, I'll take another birth, which means suffering or disease, old age, and again death, and then again birth, and then on and on and on and on and on, you know. So, just because I know that this is the way its It doesn't solve that problem that I have. I want to end this. I want to stop it. You see, let's, let's, let's get off the merry-go-round. You know, so this human form of life uh, gives you the facility to figure out how to do that. You can seek out a spiritual master, guru, that will tell you, hey, do this, do that, and you won't have to take another birth. End the cycle of birth, death, disease, and old age. End that cycle and go back home, back to Godhead. Don't take another material body. You see, unless, unless Krishna wants you to. What if Krishna says, let's say you you, uh, you chant Hare Krishna and you become pure devotee, and at the time of death you you're a, you come, you go back home, back to Godhead. And as you're entering Goloka Vrindavan, Krishna meets you. And he's so happy that you've become self-realized. And he says, you're such a wonderful devotee and I love you so much. Would you please do something for me? Oh, yes, Krishna, anything. Would you go back to the material world and save as many people as you can? I will assure you that you'll never forget me. I will walk with you and you will know my presence. And go back and give this, this science of Krishna consciousness to as many people as you can. That means you're going to have to take birth. You're going to be in another body, subject to old age and disease. But that's okay, isn't it? See, therefore, and if you've achieved that knowledge and you've acted on it, now you can return to the material world and feel satisfied. Yeah.
2: Uh, wasn't there a spot that says that the material world and everything in it is an illusion?
0: No, it is and it isn't.
2: Okay. Well, I read somewhere it's, in the that it was. It's so temporary. Since it's an illusion, our birth and our death are ultimately an illusion too, and everything in this world is an illusion.
1: Everything material. Well, it's,
0: but it's not a. It's not an illusion. This is illusory. It's illusory,
1: yes.
0: It's uh, temporary. It's temporary. Well,
2: anything that's temporary is elusive. I, I don't know where I'm getting at here.
0: No, I, I think I to I just, I, mean. I don't
2: fear death, uh, you know, and I, think if I, uh, if I do get reborn on this, on this planet again as another human, uh, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't, I don't really see it as a no, bad thing. No, I, I
0: wouldn't say it's a bad thing, but there are better things.
2: Yeah, but. I mean, why, why, not, why, why not be content with what we have now? Be happy where we are in life.
0: But that's not our nature.
1: As long as we're honest with what's happening. <laughs> like, like you're saying, it's not our nature. It's, as you're saying it's temporary, it's illusory, but it's not like you sit there and you know, witness all of that devastation around us and say, oh, it's okay, it's all right, <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not all right. When I can be okay because well, I can turn to Krishna. What
0: if you what if you come back? Let's just let's just follow that that train of thought. What if I could
1: huh?
0: What if I could come back? Okay, let's say I die in twenty years from now. Okay? That'd be eighty four. So I die at eighty four. And then I come back. So that would be twenty years. that would be uh, uh, 2022, right? 2023, like that. What's this world going to be 30, like in 2023? 30, yeah. Or go 2033. 2033. What's planet Earth going to be like in 2033? Do you want to really come back?
2: <laughs> Do you want to be here? To serve Krishna.
0: All right, to serve Krishna, yeah. Yeah. But... First of all, to get in that position, to serve Krishna in that way, we've got to be eligible to leave the material world. Of course Krishna could say to you tomorrow, He'd say, look, I don't want you, I'm going to let you live for another thousand years, and I want you to serve me. Could happen, you know. You see what I mean? But, uh, we don't roll the dice on that. Yeah?
2: I uh, I was reading somewhere in the Bhagavad Gita there, where it says that, even with distress and happiness, that it, someone who's advanced in spirituality would view it in a, in a like fashion. Yeah. It's the same.
0: We should become equipoised. In other words, we, we, we don't have the peaks and valleys. Right. We don't have the ecstatic and the really terrible you know, the ups and the downs. We become equipoised in all situations. And to do that one has to be Krishna conscious. Otherwise, so, so many things. Now, as as far as feeling death or fearing death, Srila Prabhupada says that uh, the the teeth of the tiger are very fearsome. You know, we should fear the teeth of the tiger. You know, they're sharp and they're powerful. You know. So well, we are afraid of the teeth of the tiger. But the cubs of the tiger are not, because those same teeth pick them up by the nape of the neck you see, and carry them around. They actually like that. The cubs like it when their mama picks them up like that, you see. So, uh, what he's saying is that the, the, the jaws of death to someone who isn't Krishna conscious are very uh, fear, fearsome, you know. We should be afraid because we don't know what our destination is. We don't know what will happen to us. But, for the devotee, these same teeth of death they're not we're not afraid we're not afraid If we become Krishna conscious we know whatever is happening will be good Krishna will take care of me Krishna may say you take another birth he may say come on come back home that's okay As long as I can keep my Krishna consciousness and we're guaranteed that we never leave Uh, we never lose whatever Krishna consciousness that we have we never lose it whatever you gain you never lose at the time of death if you take another birth, you take off right where you left off. There's no, uh, there's no uh, surtax or anything like that. Any, there's no uh, admission fee or any, you know. See, you take off right where you left off. So whereas that's encouraging, still, who wants to come back to this material world, unless Krishna says, "I want you to please do this. I want you to go preach and save the world." You know, I'm going to send you to another world, whether it's Earth or wherever, you see. So, the the point is, let's use this human form of life to to become eligible to go back to Godhead. We want to go back to Godhead. Now, uh, it's true that a, a devotee, as he becomes perfect, he actually loses the desire for liberation. and the Dhammadharashtaka prayer that we'll be singing next month, every night. Uh, There's talk like that. My Lord, I have no need for liberation. I just want to remember your boyhood pastimes. say. So that's a step up. In the beginning, we want liberation. Why do we want liberation? Because I'm looking out for me. And I want, I want, I want. I'm hankering for liberation. Oh God, please save me. Which is good. That's, putting a, that's a step forward. Oh, God, please help me. Please save me. When you actually uh, have your love for Krishna perfect, then you're saying, oh, my Lord, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? I don't care about liberation. I just want you. If I, if I have you, I don't care where I am. You see? One does not have to leave the material world to have Krishna. Krishna. To be liberated you don't have to die it's like we've talked we've spoken so many times that krishna wants you to have uh, knowledge of him he wants you to have it in this lifetime you see he says so in the bhagavad-gita i want you to know me in full the seventh chapter very first verse is very very important what krishna says i want you to know me in full you see, it's not like invest faith and wait till death and see if it happens. It's not, you know, you should, uh, you should have a return on your investment of faith. It should, you should get something. You should get knowing. Faith should turn into knowing. Faith just doesn't float out there and stay faith. If it does, you've done something wrong, or you've invested your faith in the wrong place. Does that make any sense? You know. Krishna said, uh, He'll make some sort of contact with you. Yes? Are you doing something wrong if you have a lot of doubts? Oh, doubts in?
2: As in, you're trying to serve and find the truth, but you're just not sure.
0: Doubts in your ability to do it or doubts in the return on your faith?
1: No, doubts in what what is the truth. Johnson,
0: huh? where is the truth? Oh. Ah. oh, it just really shows that you're in the neophyte stage. It also shows that you're kind of serious. You know, there's the blind followers. You know, they'll blindly follow just about anything. If they'll blindly follow Krishna consciousness, they'll blindly follow something else. You know. Blind followers usually get s- swept away by so many things. The world is so, so full of of things that will knock you down, you see. So, having some doubts, um, that's okay. That's alright. It shows that you have intelligence, that you're serious, and you have some sincerity, you know. And, uh, uh, but Krishna will take care. He'll dispel all your doubts. You just have to have faith that He'll do it. But expect to know don't expect to just rest on faith forever expect to know that that's Krishna's guarantee he wants you to know in full so uh, the doubts will go away they'll go away it just takes time you have to because right, right now uh, well let's say in the beginning before we turn to Krishna consciousness uh, or fully devote ourselves to spiritual life, we have faith in the material energy. We have faith in it, you see. Then we start to, to lose faith in the material energy as we gain faith in the spiritual energy. But then we go from a period of, uh, into a period of mixed faith. I still have some faith in material energy. You see, a lot of faith in Krishna consciousness, but I still have some faith in material energy. You know, there's still so many things over here in the material world that are attractive. They were good to me at one time. Of course, they smashed my life again and again. But I think I can do it differently now. You know, I think, I can, I think maybe that my senses have been purified by this knowledge that perhaps I can go back and do it this time and I'll really enjoy. I'll know how to squeeze some enjoyment. This time I can squeeze the rock and get blood out of it, you know. I know I can do it. I'll chew it again. And this time it'll taste sweet. Although I've chewed it and chewed it and chewed it and really never really turned out that great. But maybe this time it will, you see. So we are we have we start to have mixed faith. And in that period, the devotee is kind of going, he's back and forth. You know, it's like being in a boat in, a, in a, a storm. You're tossed this way and that way. I have faith in Krishna. Oh, I have faith in material energy. Oh, I have faith in Krishna. You see, back and forth. And sometimes you lose. You may lose for a while anyway. You may lose, uh, you may gain more faith in material energy than you have in the spiritual energy and you become swallowed by the material energy again. You stop chanting, you stop going to the temple, stop associating, find yourself covered over but you haven't lost what, what you gained, and someday after suffering enough uh, something will wake you up and then you try it again, you see. Uh, not, for everybody, some, not everybody has to go through that, but it's possible for that to happen. But then you get to the point where you have practically all of your faith in Krishna, maybe just a teeny little bit left in the material energy. And then you get to the point where you have no faith in the material energy. You see the material world is a scam. It's a scam. It's people trying to... What are the things that make people act in the material world? This is important for us to all remember. If someone is doing some activity in the material world, I'm not talking necessarily of pure devotees, but everyone else, they're looking for either... Name famine. Exactly. Fame, profit, adoration, distinction. You see. There's, you know, it's like uh, I was talking to one of my god brothers today, you know, something. He was telling me that uh, there's this new thing they're saying, well, the dollar's going to collapse. The dollar's going to collapse. You know. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so, what's he selling? Somebody's trying to sell you something. Probably gold. Usually when I hear those things, did you know the dollar's going to clip? Put your money in gold! Like I do. Or silver, they're trying to sell all this stuff, you know. know, So people have been predicting the end of of days all of my life, you know. I can remember when I was a kid growing up in Chicago, there were these weird people on the street corner and they had signs, the end is near. You know, they, they had long beards, and this is before the hippies and beatniks. I was just a kid. They're walking around. This is in the fifties. The signs: "The end is near." You know, repent. The end is near. I mean, there's a there's a. Somebody told me last night. Was it you, Gerald? That told me about you can Google. What is it?
2: You can Google um, false end date prophecies. Yeah. We'll give you a list going back at least. 2
0: or 300 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's not new. It's been predicted that it's going to fall apart any minute. See, and it always does in little increments, but there are people who are thinking that it's just going to be it's going to blow away. Oh, how can it go much longer? It's been, uh, it's always like that. Y2K was supposed to wipe us all out. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You know, we were all going, oh, the computer's going to shut down. That means the trucks aren't going to move. There's not going to be any food and people were buying food and you know, and, and water and everything, and then, um, but at midnight, nothing happened. <laughs> the sky didn't fall. You know, it never has. So, um, anyway, these perplexities of life will come, regardless. It's like as the says here: fire may come in a forest. We don't want it. We didn't plan. it to happen, but it will. Things will happen. We have to be fixed in who we are. Who are we? We're eternal servants of Krishna. If you think you're anything else, that's false ego. The sentence, if you say, I am, and end that sentence in anything other than uh, an eternal servant of Krishna, that's false ego. It's wrong. It's fictitious. I'm an American. I'm a I'm a Texan, I'm an Arizonan, I'm a oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. No, you're none of that. You're an eternal living entity that's a servant of Krishna. That's what you are. That's your that's your real identity. You see? So as long as we know that and if I'm if I'm an eternal servant of Krishna, that means I should be let me do the math here, eternally serving Krishna. So if I'm an eternal servant of Krishna and I'm eternally serving Krishna, I don't have any problems. If the world goes broke, okay, you know, so here I am doing the same thing tomorrow after the world falls apart that I was doing today. 16 and 4. 16 rounds and 4 regulative principles and trying to save the world. That gives you ultimate satisfaction, you know. If the dollar collapses, we're still going to be doing the same thing. There there may be more challenges. But if we depend on Krishna, He will take care of us. You see, Srila Prabhupada had so many challenges. You know, I mean, it wasn't that, oh, you know, Krishna parted the ocean. Prabhupada got on the boat to come over here. He wasn't carried by a, a great swan. You know, he was on a, a junky freighter. You know, he had two heart attacks. Terrible seasickness. I mean, it took like, uh, what was it, 40 days? 40, I think it was 40-something 40, 40 day, 45 days of sailing. And he was sick, vomiting, he couldn't keep anything down. He thought he was going to die. He had two heart attacks. He thought, if, if I have another one, I'll surely die. And his attitude was, uh, when, he got to, when he got to Boston, he, was, he wrote this poem, you know, my, my Dear Krishna, I don't know at all why you've brought me here, but as your servant I am here to do whatever you want. So if you've brought me here to dance, I'm just your puppet. If you've brought me here to dance, then make me dance, make me dance, make me dance." In other words, he's saying, my dear Lord, bring it on. Whatever you do to me is your mercy. You see. And he struggled for a long time. It wasn't like he came over here and, uh, you know, we used to, when Prabhupada would come to the United States, we'd meet him at the airport. We'd have like tons of flowers. We would shower flower petals in his path as he walked through. Umbrella, over, Kirtan, many devotees, you know, it wasn't like that. He got off the boat and there was nobody at home. There was nobody there. And he was in New York by himself, living on the streets for a year, alone, sometimes sleeping in the doorway in a raunchy part of town in the Bowery, you see. So, he had some challenges. He had some perplexities. At one point, someone was letting him live in an office. He was living in someone's office. He had a place that he could stay in out of the winter cold. And he had this little typewriter that he was typing his, his, his manuscript ma- manuscript for Bhagavad Gita. And he had it three-quarters of the way full. He was hand-typed manuscript of the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, while he was out one day, someone broke in and stole his typewriter and his manuscript. All over again. You see? So Prabhupada felt like, you know, I am your servant, Krishna. You will do with me as you will, you know, and I will enjoy being your servant. And so after a while, Krishna realized your love for me is so intense that I can't break it. I've I've challenged you every step of the way. You've, You've come here to serve your Guru. Your Guru gave you this instruction to take this Krishna consciousness to the Western world, starting out in America. And I've challenged you every step of the way. But you continue. And then Krishna gave him everything. It's like overnight, almost overnight, you know, this Krishna consciousness movement. We called it the, uh, what was the the Krishna Conscious, the Hare Krishna Explosion, you know. After about two or three years, it just it just blew up, you know, it just became this gigantic movement. And it's still doing that today, the effect is still happening today, although it's not happening as quickly as, as we used to see it, or as quickly as we want to, we want it to we want, to, we want to see the whole world saved. We want uh, the effect to happen right now. Isn't it? We'd love for everybody to be a devotee. You see? But it's still happening. You know, Srila Prabhupada is still actually doing this. He's doing it by, by his books. Prabhupada is making devotees. So many people come to the temple because they got a book somebody on a college campus distributed a book or somewhere in a, in a parking lot somewhere someone distributed a book or they got one at, uh, at a used bookstore or wherever but they came in contact with Shula Prabhupada through his book and they read it and he convinced them to seek out Krishna consciousness you see to, to utilize this human form of life otherwise uh, if we don't use this human form of life to uh, become uh, conscious of Krishna, and conscious of our eternal relationship with Him, then what is the difference between us and an animal? Prabhupada says the animal is walking on four legs, we're walking on, on two. Everything else is the same. Eating, sleeping, mating and defending. You see, if all we do in life is eat, sleep, mate and defend, then what is the difference? We're a sophisticated animal. You see? The human body is meant to do those things, plus figure out what is my destiny in this next life, after this death. What will happen to me? Where where will I go? You see? And to take shelter of uh, Guru and Krishna and see that we go home back to Godhead. So Prabhupada told us um, that we should want to go back to Godhead. We're not at the point where we can say, Oh, you know, Krishna, that's okay. Uh, I don't need liberation. I'll stay in this material world and, sa- and save everybody. We're not at that point. Prabhupada said, no, best that you want to go back. Want Shoot, that's your target. You know, uh, what is this uh, global positioning, the GPS? Is it a GPS? Yeah. A global Positioning Service?
2: Satellite.
0: Global Positioning Satellite. You know, So when you get in your car, does anybody have one of those things? Anybody in this room have one? Alright, when you get in your car or wherever, you put in the destination, right? And it tells you how to get there. If you don't put in a destination, it doesn't know what to tell you. So we have to have a destination. So, in our spiritual GPS, let's put in Goloka Brindavan, <laughs> lotus feet of Sri Krishna. And then follow the directions. And, like I say, if we get there and Krishna says, Well, thank you for coming. I'm glad to have you back. But I want you to go to the material world and save the world. That's okay. But let's shoot for Goloka Brindavan. You see? And not because we're just—it's okay if we're stingy and we just want a better, uh, you know, a better situation than the material world. But let's do it because it pleases Krishna. It makes him happy. It would make him happy if you came home. He wants you to come home. He wants you to give up this nonsense—animal life, human life, this life, that life, material energy, tangled up in this. You see. Tangled up in that suffering here, suffering there. Krishna doesn't want that for us. So, any any questions or discussion?
1: When you asked if it was when you asked if, um, if it was bad that he had doubts, it made me think of um, when Krishna is speaking the Gita to Arjuna, and he says, just to dispel any doubts. Um, I mean, talks, and he also refers to doubt, the demon of doubt. So, because Arjuna has Krishna, all of his doubts are ultimately dispelled because he can, you know, say Krishna, what about this and what about this, you know? And Arjuna, you know, being Krishna's friend and you know great one of his greatest devotees, is also like he. Um, very, you know, educated. He's very intelligent, so he's asking questions that are very, you know, pertinent to our, to our ourselves as humans and the struggle of life. But I think. Um,
0: yeah, and uh, Krishna tells him again and again. First of all, Krishna removes his doubts.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: see, and then um, all the all through the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says again and again, have no doubt. You see, have no fear. He makes a statement. He makes a promise. Says, have no doubt. This is true. Have no doubt. You see. So, but at a point, it's okay. It's natural for us to have a doubt. Why? Because we've been shafted so many times. You know. I mean, like we were just saying, the world's been falling apart. Supposed to blow away here for for 200 years now. Probably further back than that, it's just been recorded for 200 years. I'd say probably 2,000 years ago there was probably some nut on a street corner with a sign that says, the end is near, but in Roman or whatever, you know. This, this is not a new phenomenon. It seems to be growing, you know. I mean with the conspiracy <laughs> theories and the whole thing and it's just like, you know, So much to think about besides Krishna, isn't there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so many things that... And the material energy makes you think that, like, yeah, it's good that you're thinking about Krishna, but look, there's an emergency. Think about something else besides Krishna, because the world's going to fall apart. It'll it'll try to trick you and trip you up. It's its nature. It's supposed to do that. The material energy is supposed to do that. I'm glad that you're thinking about Krishna. But hold that thought. Let's think about this. Do you realize what's about to happen? What about there's a comet that's somewhere out there, and it could be coming right at us right now.
1: Oh, God, give me a break. you have a question? Actually, when he was talking about liberation, this, I remember this purport, if a devotee wants simple liberation, he gets it very easily from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as confirmed by Govamanga Thakur, Mukti soyam mukulit anjali, For a devotee, Mukti is not very important because Mukti is always standing on his doorstep Waiting to serve him in some way. A devotee, therefore, must be attracted by the behavior of the inhabitants of Vrindavan to live in relationship with Krishna. Don't worry about liberation. Yeah.
0: If you get Krishna, you've got liberation. Now, where that liberation may manifest doesn't matter. You see, if you could have Krishna and you still had to stay in a material body, That'd be okay, wouldn't it? We just had Krishna. We don't care. Please yes. tell us uh,
1: how to get more faith in uh, words of Krishna and then spiritual practice, in Krishna consciousness practices.
0: Giving up and staying away from the material energy. We should become refugees from the material energy. We should try to hide from it. Really. I mean, it's a very serious thing. I see uh, so much activity in, uh, uh, amongst people that are devotees they are agitated by the material energy, you see. It, it's um, um, an impediment to your um, becoming Krishna conscious, you see. It is. Stay away from the material energy. If you have to go out into material energy, which we all do, look at it as a scam. It's a scam. It's a bunch of people trying to convince you to buy their product. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's end of statement. It's a bunch of people trying to buy, get you to buy their product or their service. You know, you need this, you need that. You know, you can go to a health food store and um, and you may have a, a problem with dry skin. Your your feet are going to crack or whatever. And you, would, you would think that in a perfect world you could go in and find out exactly what's the very best product, but they're going to sell you what they want to sell you. And somebody might have convinced them that it's the best product, but somewhere along the line, somebody's just trying to make money. Why is your be- product better than the guys next door? Well, because ours is organic. We were talking last night, they throw this organic thing around. If it's organic, it's, it's always better. You know uh, What was it we were talking about? Organic wine. <laughs> 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 organic <laughs> wine. See, <laughs> well, inorganic and cells. organic cigarettes. <laughs> it's still alcohol and nicotine. It'll, they'll both kill you. <laughs> organic wine will make your liver fall out just as quick as inorganic wine and what would be the difference because it's distilled anyway when you distill something you boil it and you get the essence that comes off does anybody know what distilled water is it's just the essence of water all the if you have gook and water and you boil water the steam that comes off doesn't have any of the gook in it it's pure so if you boil some mash that you have rotting grapes in you know or fermenting grapes what comes off is the essence. If there were any chemicals that were in the grapes from fertilizers or pesticides, they can't come up in that. It gives me a headache to see what's going on in this mature world. You know? I mean, really, it's just... You know, organic cigarettes. <laughs> they're, they're free of, uh, of chemicals. <laughs> they're... Oh. Uh, uh, you know, so... It's a joke. See, the material world is a joke. Whenever they start telling you, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that or blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, you know, it's a, everybody's trying to sell you a used car. They look at it like that, you know. Until someone's telling you the truth. They tell you about Krishna. You see? How to, how to attain Krishna. Oh no, that's true. The rest of it, you just have to navigate through the uh, minutia. You see, you just have to navigate through it, and to keep from going crazy, find a little bit of humor in it. <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny when you look at this material world. We we've, we've used this example of like uh, the uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz movie. You know when uh, Toto, the little dog, she was, Dorothy was at, in the Emerald City and there's this big head up on the, uh, on the screen of the, the, uh, the wizard, you know, and she's like, oh, there's these fire, these flame's coming up, and she's thinking, oh, you're a real wizard. And Toto finds that behind the curtain there's this man, and, and it's really him. She found out it's a scam. He's saying, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, you know. I remember that when I see the material world. The material world is trying to tell you, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. In other words, pay no attention to the fact that you know that this is illusion, illusory. It's temporary. (laughs) But, hey, overlook that. Buy my product. Sign my petition. Give me your vote. Vote for my candidate. Think like I think. Join my group, whatever, buy my car, buy my this, do this, do that. Overlook the fact that this is just a bunch of hogwash. So yeah, yeah, we have to constantly be uh, 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 aware that it's all hogwash. Krishna is the supreme absolute truth, end of statement. All right, I guess we have to wrap it up. Thank you all so much. Hare Krishna.